0: this is a strange way to begin a series on Christmas. And if you look at your Christmas flyers, which there's still some at the back there, I've titled this message, Why Christmas? Because, you know, I think if we're going to ever look at the story of Christmas and, and the following story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we really have to understand Genesis chapter 3. Um, for those of you that haven't read it, I'm sure all of you have, Genesis 1 and 2, great creation story, and, and everything is hunky-dory, and and time and again we just see God saying, and it was very good, and it was very good, and it was brilliant, and it was good, and this is good, and God's making things, and every time He makes something, He sits back and He says, wow, this is good. And we finish chapter 2 on this this high note of of God making for Adam Eve. Um, Adam says there, this is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she came from man. And, And we've got this beautiful picture of the perfect couple brought together by God in a very literal sense. The perfect couple in the perfect environment. And then we come to Genesis chapter 3 and, and the, the, the harmony is struck with the discord. There's a sour note. And we've got the story of, of how humanity moves from a place of, of being in good and happy relationships with each other and with God and with all of creation to the place where we find ourselves Today. And I want to suggest this morning that Genesis chapter 3 is not so much a story about eating fruit. On the surface level, it looks like, well, what did they do wrong? They ate the fruit that God said don't eat. But I want to suggest this morning that, that, that this story in Genesis chapter 3, this incident, is more... a A story of wanting to be top dog. You know, when I go driving in the country, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who does this. Isn't it frustrating to have somebody in front of you? Especially a caravan. It doesn't have to be a caravan for me though. Any car. I want to be in front. And I will, I will look away traffic guy. I will speed up and I will pass them. (laughs) Sorry, Steve. I know you're not going to find me. Um, I will speed up to pass them. Because I want to be in front, whatever the cost. If I get done for speeding, at least I'll be in front. (laughs) That's what Genesis chapter 3 is about. So we've got here in chapter 3 verse 1, the story of the serpent, the snake coming to Eve and, and talking to Eve. Um, I hate snakes, but apparently at this stage, Eve's quite happy to have the snake come and have a chat with her. It doesn't bother her one dot. But look at what we see here in chapter 3, verse 1. We're told that that the serpent, one of the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. In other words, this snake that we have in Genesis 3 is one of God's created creatures. Remember, we've said Genesis 1 and 2, God looked at everything that He had made and He said, top dog. Brilliant. This is good. And we have the snake, one of God's creatures, coming to tempt Eve. And it strikes me just as an aside that that, that seems to be Satan's, Satan's status quo. The way he often tempts us is by disguising himself as something good and, and, and proper. I mean, doesn't Paul say that, that that's, or Paul, someone says in the New Testament that Satan disguises himself even as an angel of light. And he comes as this meek, just this other creature, and he comes to Eve to tempt her. And he only speaks twice, he only says two things in the whole story, but, but it's enough to just throw off the balance of trust and, and, and obedience that Adam and Eve have on behalf of humanity towards God, the creator of all things. One of my favorite theologians, Bonhoeffer, says that the Genesis chapter 3 is the first ever conversation about God. I mean, the snake begins in chapter 3, verse 1, and he he pretty much just brings up this idea that you can talk about God. Maybe God didn't get it right. Maybe God doesn't quite know what he's talking about. Maybe we should discuss what we are going to believe when God says something. And so the snake goes to Eve and he says, Did God say this? Did God say that? Now, up until this point, I don't think it had ever occurred to Adam and Eve to say, well, can we trust God when He says something? When do we obey and when do we listen and when do we make up our own minds? It was just—it it just wasn't part of their thinking. And the snake comes, Satan comes and says, no, you need to question God. You need to Think about God. You need to decide where God is right for you and your life and your situation. And it's a bit of a, a strange thing to talk about God. Because remember, God is the creator of all things, which means that God is the source of all truth. God is in charge of all things. He is all wisdom, and then the snake, Satan and Eve, come together and they have a chat about what to believe or not. They're saying we are a higher authority than God because we can decide when what God says is good and true and proper. And so Satan in the snake says, Did God really say you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? You can actually translate that a bit different, and it comes up as more of an exaggeration of the, uh, the snake through Satan saying, God did say you couldn't eat from any tree, didn't he? Yeah. Sort of just putting it out there. Stretching out the truth of what God said. You go back to about chapter 2, verse 16, verse 19. God says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Except this one. And do you spot the lie of Satan there? He says, it's not you are free to eat from any tree. It says, you're not allowed to eat from anything, are you? Sort of putting that twist in and saying, well, God's not really trustworthy. God's the sort of God who says you're not allowed to do stuff. And Eve bless she, she comes up and she defends God. And she says, no, 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 God said we're allowed to eat from any tree in the garden. Except that one. And I like the fact that she's defending God, but I hate the fact that she's defending God. Because it seems to me that, that as soon as she starts defending God, She's buying into the whole questioning of what God is saying. He's saying, you know, I'll I'll stand here and I'll say, yeah, God, that's right. And God said that and that's right. And and I'm the one in charge. I'm the one in front. And just like the snake in verse 1, in verse 3, Eve turns around and she exaggerates what God said. God said, chapter 2 Have a look at it uh, after church today. God says, um, you may not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does Eve say to the snake? She says, no, we may eat from any tree, but God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and don't even touch it or you will die. God never said anything about not touching the tree. and, And Eve says, no, I've decided it's better not to touch it. I will extend what God says and put on my own twist because I'm in charge now. And as they're talking about God, and Eve is being taught to question what God is saying and to put herself first, verse 4 Satan moves in for the kill and he outright contradicts what God says. Um, God says, You will die if you eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Says Satan through the serpent in verse 4 You won't die. Why won't you die? Because God knows that if you eat from that fruit, you're going to become like God. You will know the difference between good and evil. In other words, says Satan through the snake, he says, God lied to you. God is being selfish. God wants to hold this knowledge for himself. The tree's there, and God says, you may not touch it. You're not allowed to be like me. Only I can be like me. And Satan says, what a load of rubbish. You know, again, as I said, you go through Genesis 1 and 2, and we just see time and again God making things, and he sees them, and he says, these are very good. The one time when he says something is not good, it's, it's not good that Adam is not alone, and then he makes Eve, and, and Adam turns around and says, woohoo, thanks God. God had done so much good for Adam and Eve. And the snake turns around, Satan turns around, and accuses God of holding out on them. You know, the interesting thing is that this is just Satan's modus operandi is that there's some truth in what he's saying. God's not holding out on them. That's not true. But, but it is true that when they ate from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil they did learn the difference between good and evil but you know the bit that satan didn't tell them up until this point they had known only good god had kept only good for them god hadn't kept any evil for them and when they ate from that fruit what did they learn not good they knew all the good there was they learned evil they learned sinfulness they learned unhappiness and and pain and shame and guilt and and all of those horrible things. When God doesn't keep good from us, God keeps evil from us. I mean, it's the theme of Genesis. It's the theme of the Old Testament. It's the theme of the New Testament. It's it's the theme of God's dealing with people that those who trust and obey Him receive good. I mean, what does Paul say? All things work together for the good of those who love Him. But we don't like playing second fiddle. We don't like the idea of somebody else deciding what we should know. We don't like the idea of somebody else saying this is good and this is wrong. We want to be like God. And so in verse 6 of chapter 3, for the very first time in the history of time, we have somebody other than God. Looking at something and making a a decision and and, and deciding this is good. We have Eve looking at this fruit of the tree and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her and she said, this is good stuff. I've decided it's good. God says I mustn't have it, but I think it's good, so I'm going to have it. And this is where sin enters into the picture. Not in verse 7 where she actually takes the fruit and bites into it and gives it to Adam. That, that's the outworking of sin. But, but, but verse 6 when she looks and she says, I will decide what is good. And God, you have no right to decide that for me. This is the problem that we have been landed with ever since that day. Just by the by... Uh, not an apple that they ate. Apparently in Latin, the word for apple is very similar to the word for evil. So one is malum and one is malus. Um, One of those sort of leftover things from the Roman times probably. Adam and Eve wanted to be more than they were. They wanted to be Gods. They wanted to be like God. They, they wanted to make their own choices. And, and that's, that's not a bad want. Um, great theologian Helmut Tillich said that the power of temptation, it's not, it's, it's not in, our, in appealing to our baser instincts. If temptation appealed to our dark side, It would be natural for us to be repulsed by it. But the power of temptation is in its appeal to our idealism, to this notion we can be better, we can be Superman, we can be Superwoman, we can be like God, we can make our own choices, we can decide our own destiny. And so they took the fruit and they ate it. Adam standing by, what a weak husband. Standing in close proximity says, nothing takes the fruit and eats it. And did they see any more good? No. First thing they see when they bite this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is their own nakedness. Chapter 2, verse 25, we read just before the fall, they were naked and they felt no shame. They, 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 they eat the fruit. They come to realize what is good and evil and they are ashamed of themselves and quickly they find some fig leaves, the biggest leaves they can find and they, they make some rough and ready clothes. And, and I wonder why. Why does eating the fruit make them realize that they're walking around without any clothes on? If I think about it today, where sin is rife in the world, um, shameful exposition is not very shameful, is it? Adam and Eve, I mean, they've been married probably for some time by now. They've got nothing to be ashamed of. But... I think the reason that they, they, they rush to make their fig clothes is is that sin introduces this awkwardness into human relationships. You see the differences rather than the, the fact that we are made by God. Adam, when Eve was created, was, was all like, wow, this is brilliant, God, and and now when he knows the difference between knowledge of, of good and evil, he, he looks at her and he says, you're different to me. I can't trust you. If, if, if I'm the one choosing my destiny, how can I trust you? And Eve is doing the same thing for them. There's, there's this brokenness in their relationship. Now we see in chapter 3, Verse 10, have a look what it says there. God's coming and He walks through the garden and, and, and He finds them and, and, and Adam says to Him, Lord, I heard You walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. If, if, if eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and this, this saying that I will choose my own destiny puts a dent in human relationships, it, it takes a chunk out of the relationship between us and God. Because Genesis 3 is not so much a fall as as a stupid attempt to jump, to lift ourselves to a higher level, and it's a stupid attempt because there is no way that we can be like God who made all things, who is in charge of all things. And Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit and they think we will choose our own destiny and we're in charge. And God comes and they run away and hide and they realize, look, there's no way we're in charge. I was afraid, God, because I wanted to be like you, and it turns out I'm not. And God confronts them, and and we just see how Eve, or Adam blames Eve, and God, Eve blames the snake, and, and they're just passing the back. it's irony, isn't it, that sin is about us saying, I will choose my own destiny. And yet when we come face to face with with, with the God who is above all things, it's not our own destiny that we base our our defense upon, but we blame somebody else. Even blame God. And we read and we, we heard how choosing to say, I will be God myself. It's got consequences. When we read there about all of creation coming under a curse, and the snake is Satan's agent more so than any other creature. We've gotten in chapter 3, verse 16, the woman for her part in this rebellion against God is is told that from this point on, she's, she's going to have to endure pain, and, and not only physical pain, but also the emotional pain of, 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 of her most intimate relationship, her, her marriage just being disrupted. Somebody once said, uh, before the fall, it was love and cherish. And after the fall, it's, it's dominate and desire. Verse 17 to 24, we hear the judgment on on the man. And and if you read through the creation accounts, God said to to Adam, Adam, you're in charge of the earth and you have dominion over the earth and and you will work the earth and it's going to be wonderful. And and here in chapter 3, Adam says, no, I want to be God. And God says, no, well, Adam, in that case, you reject my authority, the earth is going to reject your authority. You are going to struggle to... To earn your bread. You're gonna get a taste of your own medicine, Adam. And of course, the final judgment at the end of chapter three, the cast out of the Garden of Eden and thrown into a life in the midst of death. So what does all this have to do with Christmas? What has all this got to do with with a baby in a manger? Simply this, we live in a world that is not right. We live in a world where there are broken and shattered relationships between people, between each other, between God and us. That's where we are. But let's, let's just have a look again at this judgment from God because there's a thread of grace and mercy and love that runs through Genesis chapter 3, particularly the second half. Because even though death and suffering and judgment comes, something of the image of God that God said, I will make them like me, is still in us. And the thing which just amazes me is that, that when Adam and Eve said, no, we are going to be God ourselves," God doesn't come and smite them down. God just says, right, you're going to suffer consequences, but I will still bear with you and bear with your, your seed and your kin and your children. Because I have good in mind for you. And have a look at verse 15. God says, cursing the snake, I will curse hostility, uh, cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. I just love this. Minutes after Adam and Eve have rebelled against God, God turns around and he speaks the gospel to them. Chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis, I believe, is the gospel in its earliest incantation. Genesis, God says, Eve's offspring is going to deal with the snake. Eve's offspring is going to deal with Satan. Genesis doesn't tell us who this, this offspring, this seed, this, this child is, but, but doesn't the New Testament say that, that this offspring of Eve is none other than Jesus Christ, born of a virgin Mary, Son of God, the truly good God who, who wants good for us, who came to bring good for us, and who has on the cross crushed Satan under his feet. That's why I love verse 20. Straight after God's judgment on mankind, Adam turns around and he says, Wife, your name is going to be Eve because you will be the mother of all the living. This to the woman who through her choices and her actions has introduced death to the world and she gets said, You are going to be the mother of all the living. Because down through her lineage would come the second Adam, in whom there is life. And because God is God, is God is, is good and God is trustworthy, God doesn't just withdraw his love from us and from creation. I mean, yes, He has to He has to punish those who say we will supplant you, God. We will take your place. But, but, but God says, no, I am still God and I am still sovereign and I have always planned good for this creation of mine which I have made and I have always planned good for you and I have always intended that you should live in harmony with each other and I have always intended that you should live in harmony with me and I will make it so. Genesis 3 is the story of God's, of, of us saying to God, I don't trust you, God. And Christmas is the story of God saying, yeah, we'll see how much I love you. I want to play you guys a video.